All right, welcome to the We Know Ball podcast. We are back, baby, and I am joined with a new co-host this time around, Gavin Bowman. Gavin, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Happy to be here, Jasper. Uh, like you said, that's my name. Don't wear it out. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk any and all things sports. Uh, I think we're getting into some college football today. Um, but you'll hear me talking about some baseball, some, uh, some soccer, maybe some basketball, some hockey all around, but, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be part of the show. Happy to get this ball rolling. Let's get into it. Absolutely. And just run over the agenda for y'all today. We got the MLB all-star break wrapping up here. We get baseball back Friday. I know I've been missing it. Um, and then we're going to break down the big 10 for y'all today as it's now mid July and college football season. I believe we're now six weeks out from week zero. Uh, some exciting stuff here going. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into the Derby. Vladdy Jr., a guy, Gavin, we were talking last week. We had this guy on our radar as the winner of the Derby, and you even picked him to win it outright with the betting. Um, just exciting stuff. It's great. It's great. You know, like you said, we both uh, we both had him as our winner going back to last week. And I myself did cash in on a uh, – Vladdy to beat Randy Future at plus 2,700. Thanks, DK, for the odds boost there. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's a home run derby. Um, do you see that kid get drilled in the face by that Vladdy line drive? I absolutely did not. What happened there? <laughs> All right, you're going to have to go check it out. But, uh, yeah, anyhow, Vladdy hits a 116-mile-an-hour screamer into the outfield, and uh, straight out of the cartoon, this kid gets hit square in the face and just drops, hits the deck. Honestly, pretty funny. Got to go check it out. Um, not funny because I'm, you know, I hope he, I hope he's okay. But <laughs> you now, Vladdy gets the win. Um, they're probably getting rid of kids in the outfield here pretty soon. Um, but yeah, the actual All Star game was two days ago, and like you said, I've been missing baseball ever since. Yeah, and it's honestly, it would feel like just a matter of time before a kid got drilled in the outfield. I mean, they just have him <laughs> running out there looking just like lollygagging, looking like they have not a care in the world, and these guys are hitting a hundred plus mile per hour baseballs. As hard as rapid, rapid fire too, man. With us with yeah. the top format, you know, the a 10-year-old shouldn't be standing in front of 110 plus, no matter the, the the format. And when you have the rapid fire, yeah, that was that was bound to happen. But good win by Vladdy. Um, J Rob put on a show in the first round, obviously. Randy with a great round two performance of Robert. Um, it was the home run derby. Everyone's entertained. Yeah, and the Derby's just been a great part of the game, and I think it's probably one of the more entertaining all-star uh, weekend. What's the word I'm looking for here? Festivities. Yeah, activities, activities. activities. I mean, in basketball, you got like kind of the skills challenge and the dunk contest, but those have kind of lacked in the past couple of years. But with the Home Run Derby, you always know what you're getting, and you're always going to get a good show. Um, jumping into the all-star game itself, I think it's still probably one of the best most exciting all-star or not most exciting, but it's still one of the best all-star games in sports. You have a bunch of guys out there who just like the players respect it. The fans respect it. Um, as far as excitement goes, I know you have a take. I do have a take. Um, I will say the MLB all-star game. I might be a bit biased is the best all-star game in sports. I think NHL is more exciting. That three on three tournament is pretty fucking sweet uh, in terms of the, you know, interleague matchups that go on and, and whatnot, but uh, yeah, the MLB is the only all-star game where you've got, you know, a squad of nine guys out there playing at full speed in a real, you know, real game intensity. So it adds the excitement for the viewer. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that kind of just was seen right off the bat with that crazy double robbery uh, with uh, I forget who it was in right, but then Garcia, Randy at least 
Adelise Garcia, Robin. Um, oh, holy shit, dude! I Acuna, Acuna, Acuna got robbed by Adelise, and then Freddie got robbed by Randy out and left. Yeah, and that was pretty electric to see. I mean, they obviously juiced the baseballs for the All Star game because they had <laughs> excitement, but another low scoring one, three two. I mean, pitchers We're are still three so two even with the juice baseballs, man. Pitching, pitching is just crazy. Pitching is everything these days. And I mean, I thought it was fun to see the players mic'd up. Obviously, I thought Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman were the more entertained the two, but Corbin Carroll just did not seem comfortable with it at all. <laughs> Dude, I don't think anybody's seen like, you know, the, the insight into Corbin Carroll. I haven't. He seems like a weird dude, but oh, he can hundred percent. He can play baseball, man. So just keep the mic away from him and everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, he had like uh it was he had a picture of Ichiro on his phone, and then what was the other weird thing? He like I think because they had that whole thing with the MLB All-Star Cafe because they were trying, which like, if you're trying to roll with a theme, why coffee? Like, I get that it's Seattle, but you could have done something with the rain. You could have done something with the Space Needle, but like coffee and just like Corbin was just like, yeah, I don't drink coffee. And like, it was just so dumb. Co- co- coffee and Macklemore is, is the theme they went with. Exactly. Interesting tactic, but yeah, who fucking cares? Kind of ridiculous. I also thought Kevin Burkhart was a little weird. I mean, did you see at the end when he was trying, when he was letting Cal Ripken like speak and he was still holding the microphone while they I presented? Did not see that. No. Oh man. So Elias Diaz, obviously Rocky, won the MVP, hit the home run. But Kevin Burkhart, who was the announcer of the All Star game, is down the field while Cal Ripken presents the MLB home run tro or the MLB or the MVP trophy, and he's holding out the microphone for this guy and. Cal's got it in one hand and Burkhart's just, it was just the weirdest like exchange I'd ever seen. Too funny. Too funny. Did not see it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um. I mean, and I think last part, last thing I just want to get as we wrap up baseball here is I think the all-star game, one of the things that makes it made it so competitive and so good in the past was the fact that it actually counted for home field advantage in the world series. And it's nice to know that while that doesn't happen anymore, it's still a game that you can tune into and see exciting stuff happen. Yeah, yeah. These these guys care about it. They don't want to lose. And, you know, it's not dictating home field in the World Series anymore. But as I said earlier, it's the best players in the league playing a real game at full speed, 100% effort, which, you know, it's always going to turn into a good product no matter what. Easily. And I think... Yeah, I think the NBA has just gone miles downhill. <laughs> well, the NBA is just a uh, – their all-star game is just – it's not even a game. Uh, you, you, you can't even call it a game. It's just an all-star showcase. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so that kind of wraps it up for baseball here for us today. Uh, we're going to jump into football now. I'm super excited to talk some college football. Um, it's been a long time coming since that last down – or since Georgia just absolutely blew TCU out of the water. Um, <laughs> and I think we've all been hungry for some more competition – um, we're going to start with the Big Ten West, and obviously the biggest storyline coming out of the Big Ten West this week is the firing of Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald. Um, this is a guy who I think, if you were telling me what happened uh, or what was reported to be happening in his program with the sexual hazing, uh, this is the last guy to expect. You know, Pat Fitzgerald is a guy who seems like a no-nonsense football guy, um, really just a do-it-the-right-way guy. You hear that word a lot in college football, and I think he was a guy who really embodied that. Um, and obviously hazing happens around college football, college football. These teams are their brands, their conglomerates, their monopolies of the college sports world. And there's always something to get swept under the rug. And unfortunately, this is a school with a lot of journalists and a lot of kids who are hungry to get stories and scoops. And 
they got one here. And Pat Fitzgerald is now out in Northwestern. Gavin, what were your initial thoughts? Same as you. It's A, disappointing, and B, surprising um, coming out of, as you said, a guy that's a do-it-the-right-way kind of guy, or so we thought. Um, my initial thought, you know, when the whole story broke about potential hazing and Fitzgerald going on leave, getting suspended, uh, every coach knows what's going on in their locker room. And if they don't, that they're, they're not a good coach. They're they're, They won't be there for long. Um, So, you know, the, the, the truth to the allegations, no one's ever going to know for certain, but yeah, initial reaction was if that was happening, he for sure knew about it. And it's sad that it's even being talked about. Absolutely. And the school just wrapped up their investigation. It was a couple months long. So this story that the school obviously has known about this for a while, um, but I want to talk more about the ramifications for college football, because obviously we know every program has skeletons in their closet. Um, and especially with hazing, like this now sets the precedent where if something comes out, like you're going to get fired for it, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, that was already an accepted principle in that if, if your program's hazing and it comes to light that you're going to get the ax. Um, but, you know, to your point, sets a precedent of, well, if you are hazing, and if I had to guess, a lot of programs across the country are indeed doing that, uh, keep that under wraps or shut that shit down as soon as possible. Um, yeah, I don't I don't wish hazing upon my worst enemy. It's pointless and nobody should have to go through it. Um, but unfortunately, it does happen. And I wouldn't be surprised to see similar stories come out across the country here pretty soon. Yeah, and I mean, especially with Penn State a couple of years ago in 2018 with Micah Parsons, and that one kind of felt like he got swept under the rug. It'll be interesting to see if they kind of reopen an investigation there. Um, but yeah, moving on from that, this program's just kind of fallen into complete disarray now. They were 1-11 last year, and it felt like as long as you had Pat Fitzgerald, you were always a year away from getting back and competing, but I think that era is officially over for Northwestern. Um, they were... They're, uh, David Braun, their defensive coordinator who they just hired, is expected to take over, but I wouldn't be surprised if they look for someone outside to take over this program, especially as I think it needs now a complete culture change and upheaval. Yeah, and you just hit the nail on the head with that last little comment right there. It's a complete another culture change that needs to happen in Northwestern, and uh, we're not going to see the results in year one. Absolutely not. Um, And a name that's kind of been thrown out there a little bit is Coach O. I'd be interested to see if he'd be willing to come up to the Midwest and retake the heels there. That would that one would shock me. That would for sure shock me. Um, But you never know. It's called football, man. Crazy, crazy things happen. Absolutely. Uh, Jumping into their season outlook. um, I mean, there's nothing really to look forward to here. Offensively, Brennan Sullivan's going to be the lead play caller. He showed flashes last year, but he's coming off some major injuries, especially in his hand, and that's never good for a quarterback. Um, strong backfield with Cam Porter and Joseph Hillman, but I just it, I don't think it'll be enough to get things done. Um, I expect him to be a little better defensively with David Braun, but uh, Bryce Gallagher will still be the leading linebacker in that squad, and I think they're going to be the bottom feeder of the West, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, I would be incredibly surprised if they weren't the bottom feeder. Um, their win total for the year is set at three and a half right now. They didn't get any better on offense or defense, and they got worse in the locker room and with the culture and the program as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody will be talking about the Wildcats in any positive light for some time. Not in the least. Um, But jumping over to some programs who have a lot brighter futures ahead of them, uh, and obviously our current 
institution, the Wisconsin Badgers, with probably the biggest splash of the college football offseason in hiring coach Luke Fickle. Yeah, I'd say I'd say without a doubt the biggest uh, splash in the Big Ten West. I know Nebraska's bringing in Matt Rule, but that will probably take a little bit longer to develop um, just based on what Fickle brought with him in all the Cincinnati transfers, getting Tanner Mordecai to come over, uh, senior veteran leader, you know, on offense there. We still have Braylon Allen. People forget about that. I know we're going to be running an air raid offense, but we've got number zero in the backfield. Uh, lots to be excited about. Yeah, and I mean, especially on the defensive side, I think Wisconsin will continue to take steps forward, especially with Mamu Jungnetta, uh still leading us back there on linebacker. Um, Chimray DK also, I expect to take a huge step this year in the air raid offense. And speaking of the air raid, that is another big move that Fickle made this offseason, bringing in Phil Longo. Um, and he's kind of on his Bob Stoops arc right now, for being completely honest. When Bob Stoops took over Oklahoma, they were a ground and pound team. Uh, they were not getting quarterbacks to come to that school. He brings in a guy by the name of Mike Leach to install right. the air raid offense, and it completely transcends the program. So I think with this move, the main thing I'm seeing from Coach Fickle here is he is looking to change this program. He knows what the problems were with our kind of pro style offense in the past. And he is looking to attract quarterbacks, to this school that can throw the ball and throw it effectively. Like he wants to score. He wants to run it up on teams. The defense for Wisconsin has always been good. Now it's time to score the points. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't, couldn't say any better myself. I think fickle knows what has to be done. Um, as you just said, defense isn't going to be a problem. I mean, it's always one of the best in the country. Um, and we keep reloading on talent on that side of the football, but we got to put points on the board and Paul Chris pro style offense wasn't cutting it. Um, he'd been on the hot seat for a while. And I know you and I as uh, avid Badger fans were more than happy to see him go and uh, wave him goodbye. Oh, yeah. uh, he did bring us, you know, he brought us some success in the past, but the way that culture is, you know, changing on offense, we need, we need some new, some new bright ideas and Fickle's going to be the guy to do that. I hope. <laughs> Yeah, and especially in the Big Ten, I think with USC coming in, it is going to become an off. Like we're going to see, and we're already starting to see it, but the Big Ten is becoming more offensively leaning. I mean, Iowa used to be able to get it done in the past, and we'll jump into Iowa later. But these teams that were defense and run the football are kind of becoming a thing of the past. Um, I am a little worried about the Badgers early on in the season because in the spring it looked like Mordecai was struggling to pick up on the air rate a little bit. It's obviously a completely new system than what he was used to at SMU. But I think they have a pretty first easy part of the schedule going to Buffalo. They're at Washington. Then they head to Georgia Southern. I think they have three games there to get things ironed out. Yeah, we need to get through Washington State first. Um, as just alluded to that that game up uh, up at Washington State, September 9th. Um, I think that's a huge catapult game for us, right? Because we got beat by them at home last year. I remember being at that game and just watching Grant. Just, just be completely, you know, Graham Mertz. Yeah. Um, but this is a huge spot for us now going to their house, win there, say last year never happened, and, you know, move forward their season from there. Because, as you said, we've got Buffalo, that Wazoo game, and then Georgia Southern. But then right after that, we go into Purdue, uh, yeah. the defense Big Ten West champions, who, if we're going to win the Big Ten West this year, they need to go down. They need to go down. Then we're at Rutgers. Iowa, I expect us to win that game at Illinois. That is a big revenge game for us as Illinois kind of embarrassed us last year. And we need to get the best, the best of Brett Bielema, uh, former yes. coach of the program. Um, then we head to Ohio State. Uh, we'll get into this later, but I really don't know what Ohio State's going to look like. 
with their quarterback situation. So there could be an opening for us to maybe eke out a win there if we're up to speed and everything's going right with Tanner Mordecai in the air raid. But I do expect us to lose that game. Uh, at Indiana, that should be an easy win. Tom Allen has nothing going on there. Northwestern win, Nebraska win, and then Minnesota. It is time to finally reclaim that axe. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, that that is obviously a highlight game. You talked about the Ohio State game briefly. Um, but at the end of the day, our season is going to come down to the battle of the, the Paul Bunyan axe. We need that back, as you just said, um, against the Minnesota team that improved since last season. So they're going to be better. Um, we need to win that game. We need to win October 21st against the Illini, and we need to win September 22nd against the Boilermakers. If we win those three games, uh, we're going to win the West without a doubt, and that's going to put us in a great spot to head into Indianapolis, the Big Ten Championship, and really compete. Absolutely. Um, jumping over to a team we mentioned earlier with Matt Rule taking over the helm for Nebraska. Now, I think I, I believe in Matt Rule. I think he's got a great college football philosophy. We obviously saw at Baylor. I don't think this team made enough strides this offseason to be in a spot like Wisconsin where they can compete right off the bat. Um, obviously, Scott Frost had to be ousted. This team was brutal last season, um, especially offensively. Uh, they're on their third quarterback now in the past three years. And I mean, Casey Thompson was a guy who I thought could be good coming out of Texas. Um, but obviously being a pocket passer, no mobility kind of sent them down the drain. And uh, I got a couple of really unfortunate stats here for you. So the last league title Nebraska came across was actually before 2000 in 1999. They haven't won the big 10 since 99. I think that might even be the big 12. Oh, I don't know when they go realign, but I don't think they've ever won the Big Ten. Um, and the last bowl game they played in, 2016. You've got to be kidding me. They haven't won over six games in seven years? Nope. Wow. They're very bad at what they do. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Matt Rule hire for Nebraska? Uh, I agree with you in that I don't think uh, his tenure in the NFL is an accurate representation of the success that he found at Baylor and the success I think he will find um, in the future at Nebraska. I don't think it happens year one, um, but I'm high on Jeff Sims at quarterback. I think that if there's anyone that's going to turn Jeff Sims into a quality college quarterback and a potential guy that NFL teams might take a chance on, I think it's Matt rule. And I think that this is his chance from Matt rules perspective to prove that he can still do this at the college level. He can still take guys like Jeff Sims, transform a program, and, you know, start winning some games for a team that hasn't won games in a while. Yeah, and I mean, Jeff Sims, I, you said you were high on him. I'm very high on Jeff Sims as well. I think he got dealt a bad hand at Georgia Tech. Um, and, I mean, he's already shown success in Matt Rule's system. I mean, enough so to get Casey Thompson to throw his name in the transfer portal. Uh, this defense, I mean, it's also it's not great, but they're returning a very successful secondary from last year, and I think – yeah, if you're Nebraska, you're obviously not going to do super well. Um, I have this team at five and seven if everything goes according to plan for Jeff Sims. Um, yeah, I mean, you just want to see strides this year, and that's the biggest thing. Yep, I agree. Um, they're opening the season with just a tough couple of games. They got Minnesota on the road to start the season, and then the very next week they got to go into Boulder and take on Coach Prime and the boys. So we'll we'll get a we'll get a really good sense for uh for how both those programs led by new head coaches are gonna play um early in the season. Yeah, I got some hot takes on Coach Prime coming up here, but we'll get into that more when we jump into the Pac-12. Um, but yeah, I mean obviously 
Nebraska, they're they're in a transition period here, and I think it'll it'll be nice to see them get back to what they were, especially as a former blue blood in college football. Um, they've just it's just been so bad for them ever since they got into the Big Ten. And a lot of their fans are really annoying and still live in the past, like they're this elite team and their expectations are super high. But if I'm Nebraska, I need to be patient with Matt Rule because he is the guy I believe that can change this program. You just have to be willing to wait. And it's tough because that's what we said about Scott Frost too. And we waited and we waited and we waited <laughs> until we couldn't wait anymore. And now he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, that wraps it up for the new, actually we got one more team with a new hire, actually the former big West champion from last season, Purdue. Uh, they said goodbye to Brom and Aiden O'Connell and are replacing them with Illinois DC, Ryan Walters, who led probably the best defense of the country last year, as well as Hudson card out of texas what do you think of purdue right now gav i think hudson carr is a big pickup for the boilermakers um obviously he showed some flashes of brilliance at texas um but to your point losing the head coach hurts uh they bring in a guy who as you alluded to led one of the best defenses in the country last year but still it's 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 a culture change and not one that was necessarily needed um but one that happened as a result of their success and people moving on. So I, I think the jury is still out on the Boilermakers. Wouldn't be surprised to see him take a step back. I think their ceiling is exactly what they did last year. Yeah. I think Devin Mockaby is going to be huge for them on the running back side. So, I mean, this offense has the potential to be pretty explosive. Obviously they lost little in the wide receiver department. Um, the defense is only returning four starters tops. So, I mean, yeah, they also have a super difficult schedule. Uh, they open with Fresno State, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse, who all are teams that are no laughing stock. Obviously, all big time teams. Um, and then they have the unfortunate uh, responsibility of being in the West and having to play both Michigan and Ohio State this year. Um, I believe they are they're at Michigan, but they out of Ohio State at home. So, yeah. Well, we've seen in the past Purdue produce the team that can knock off the Buckeyes at a at a drop of a hat. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You never know with that team. You never know. So it'll be interesting to see how Walters does with them. Um, jumping over the team that probably gave them the biggest difficulties in the West, Brett Bielema and the Fighting Illini. Number one defense in the league in college football last year. Number one scoring defense in college football last year. Obviously, they got some huge losses. When you have a defense that good, you're going to have huge losses. The NFL, Devin Witherspoon, your guy, and then uh, Quan Martin both drafted. Um, but I'm still super high on Jerzon Newton. Uh, I think he's a very good player and he was a second team all American last year. I expect him to keep it going. Um, but the big thing for this team is going to be on offense. They lost Chase Brown, uh, Tommy DeVito's out and they got replaced with Luke Altmeyer out of Ole Miss who hasn't really done much. Three games, 317 yards, three touchdowns, three INTs. Um, the defense, I expect they'll be pretty good. They have the talent to win games. Um, not as well as they did last year but i think brett bielema is a culture guy and he's going to get these guys to buy in and when you get guys to buy in your team does some pretty incredible things in the football field yeah i agree and you mentioned altmeyer uh the sophomore transfer over from ole miss um gonna be the guy they go with most likely as he's got the most talent um but it's good to have a veteran backup in locker rooms too and they got that in uh ball state senior transfer john paddock Um, so worst comes to worst, they throw in a guy who's experienced, you know, albeit not at the big 10 level, um, but got, got some playing time under his belt. Um, then you mentioned the departure of Chase Brown. Uh, you go ahead and you 
and you uh, substitute him with junior Reggie Love. Um, and again, they're not going to be, you know, he's he's not going to be Chase Brown. Like Chase Brown was last year. Um, and, you know, certainly, certainly the defense is going to have a hard time replicating their performance from 2022. But to your point, you buy into Brent Bielema. And as you said, he loaded that defense up. Uh, yeah, Jerzon Newton's still there. Uh, Tavion Nicholson should come in and be that guy to replace Devin Witherspoon. Yep. So I think the Illini are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And as I said, the Badgers going in there on uh, in, in mid-October kind of gives me some worries. But um, I think we get to know what they're all about in the first few games of the season. Absolutely. Um, they kind of got a pretty good one-two punch there with Reggie Love and Josh McCray, who's also going to be back there. So it should be pretty exciting to see what the Illini can do in this uh not even, not even bounce back year, but a year where they left something on the table, I feel like. Those three losses to Michigan State, Purdue, and at Michigan really hurt them on their way out. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they got. They're looking to build for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, Minnesota, can this team finally <laughs> win the Big Ten? As much as I hate P.J. Fleck and his stupid sweater vests and his – fucking i don't know he's just such a cocky bastard i just hate <laughs> that guy um but they had another successful season uh they capped it with a big win against syracuse in a bowl game uh but this team is down some guys they lost a lot of starters on the offensive side and on the defensive side muhammad ibrahim probably the biggest one who was probably the best back that school might have ever seen if we're being completely honest yeah, you're probably right. Um, not only him, but Tanner Morgan as well, who's been a starter there for a couple of years on his way out. Um, but they've got a guy there in a in a uh Kalyak Manis, I can't even pronounce that last name. Um oh, you got it right there. Yep. <laughs> when um, uh when when Morgan was out the past couple of years, he stepped in and did just fine. So they'll be okay there. Yeah, and I think this is probably the most talented receiving core we've ever seen. I think Brevin Span Ford at tight end is gonna really take a huge next step. And Daniel Jackson is looking to become a star this year, I think, in the Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the departure of Ibrahim, which is obviously a huge loss and he's not a guy you can replace similar to Illinois with Chase Brown. Um, but they do got Sean Tyler coming over from Western Michigan. Uh, he rushed for over a thousand yards last season. So 23 tutties. Yeah, no, I mean, we'll see how it translates to the big 10. Yeah, we'll see again. It's, it's like I said with John Paddock at Illinois, it might not be the same kind of deal, but put him in PJ flex offense behind those big boys in the offensive line of Minnesota. And he could, he could pan out well. Yeah, unfortunately for Minnesota, the big problem here is their schedule. They have a tough schedule. They are battling both North Carolina and Louisiana out of conference. And then they also have the unlucky honor of taking on both Michigan and Ohio State as East opponents in the same year. So we're going to see what this team's all about, if we're being honest. I mean, this is a year where if they want to take that next step, they are going to have to beat up on some teams that are really fucking good. Yeah, and you know, I I think that this is their last chance to win the Big Ten West. Um, just with all the, the the what's it called the veteran talent they have, um, especially yeah. on offense, especially on the offensive side of the football. Um, but as you mentioned, that schedule is just brutal, and I think that's the reason for their win total is only set at six and a half this year. Yeah. So if Vegas is expecting them to go six and six. Um, you know, if it all comes together, they'll eclipse that easily. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I think this might be the last year we see divisions in general in the Big Ten, especially with the addition of UCLA and USC next year, which I think just opens up so many more exciting options for this team. Um, but last team I want to talk about before we move on to the East is Iowa. Won eight games last year, but they just suck on offense. Um, I was talking to you about this before the podcast, but their athletic director 
uh, has restructured their offensive coordinator's contract, Brian France, the son of coach Kirk France, uh, to a one-year deal with a pay cut, and he has to fulfill these two tasks if he wants to keep his job and get a new two-year deal. Iowa must win seven games and average 25 points per game. They only scored 25 points against three teams last year, and those three teams, Nevada, Rutgers, and Northwestern. Yeah, how many games do they need to win? Eight. Yeah, okay. So I just looked up their win, their line on the win total. Um, it's seven and a half. So if they win eight, they'll be just barely getting past. Um, but to your point, it's a team that scored 25 points only three times last year. Um, and now the athletic department wants them to average 25 points a game. Uh, I just don't think that happens overnight. <laughs> they averaged seventeen point two points per game last season, for reference. Yeah, you you don't just you don't just you know average a whole touchdown better per game, um, without without changing something up along the lines of what Wisconsin did, bringing in Fickle in the air raid. Well, they did um, make one big change. They got a good quarterback here in Cade McNamara coming in, obviously coming off knee injury. Um, but a guy who's kind of proven he can get it done at Michigan. So I mean, there is hope for them. Uh, Caleb Johnson, I expect him to take a big step forward. He averaged 5.2 yards a carry last year. Uh, they also have LaShawn Williams back there, so they'll have a really nice one-two punch. Uh, Laporte is going to be gone, unfortunately. He's in the NFL, but Luke Lechey and Eric All look to be the next up in this tight end factory of a school. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I don't think that the tight end department is going to get them to 25 points a game. Nope. Um, and as you said, they have talent with uh, Cade McNamara and Caleb Johnson. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it comes down to who's running that team. And it's yeah. the father-son duo of the Ferences. And I might, you know, I know we're going to get some hot takes later on in the, in the show, but hot take, they're both gone at the end of the season. I would not be surprised, which is crazy for a team that's coming off eight wins, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's 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 the direction that not only the Big Ten but college football in general is heading. And you know, the SEC was the first conference to adapt um, the West Coast style of okay, we got to score some points. Um, you know, Nick Saban over a decade ago was defense, defense, defense. Let's play some smash mouth football, and yep. he adapted. Yep. Alabama is one of the best offensive teams in the country now. Um, if people want to keep up, they're going to have to adapt also, including the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, and I mean, probably the biggest reason they actually got eight wins last year is their defensive side of the ball. I mean, second in defensive scoring with 13.2 points allowed per game, uh, and they were second in total defense altogether. Yep. Um, they're returning seven starters on the defensive side, so defense will not be a problem. Cooper DeJean will be one of, if not the best, cornerbacks in college football. But I think what really comes down to it for this offense to improve is their offensive line. They allowed 38 sacks last year, and that's just not going to get it done, especially with a quarterback coming off a huge knee injury. I agree. I agree. Waiting to see what the Hawkeyes can do for us. Absolutely. Well, that kind of wraps it up for our Big Ten West breakdown. But before we move on, we got to break down our final standings prediction. So for me, Gav, I got Wisconsin winning the West. I think it's kind of a no-brainer. This yep. is just one of the worst divisions in college football, uh, competitively, competition-wise. Um, I got Iowa finishing second, Minnesota in third, Illinois in that four spot, Purdue five, Nebraska six, and Northwestern seven. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I agree that Northwestern is going to bring up the rear. I agree that Wisconsin is going to be at the top. Um, I'm a little bit higher on Illinois than you are. Um, I do think that on the defense side of the football, they are just going to be great. Um, and I don't believe in Iowa, as, as I just said. Um, so I think maybe those two teams flip flop, but yeah. uh, other than that, I think we're pretty much in alignment. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, Illinois has the most mobility of any team on this list. I think Minnesota could drop down to, they could be finished. It could be Purdue and Minnesota down there at five and four. Um, Yeah. I just really don't see Nebraska doing much in that six spot. As I said, I have them at five wins at best. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, at the end of the day, I think it's all going to come down to scheduling. And as we know, with the Big Ten every year, there are always surprise teams. You know, no one, no one page the uh, the fighting Illini is going to be a, a tough challenge for the Badgers last season. But lo and behold, they were. Um, I think we'll see that a couple of times this season as well. And it's going to shake up the standings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that kind of wraps it up for the Big Ten West. We're going to jump over to the East now where we have the Michigan State Spartans and the mess that Mel Tucker has built. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's always hard. And we were talking about this before the show. It's always hard when you kind of make your coach the face of your program. Um, And obviously he had that one great year in 2021 where he got into the Peach Bowl, uh, but it was mostly built on transfers. You got to do the recruiting work. And it kind of felt like he lived off that 2020 strong 2021. Yeah, yeah, and I think the glaring issue with this team is the defense. Um, offense is going to return a lot of talent, and they even brought in a few few more pieces on that side of the football, but they did nothing to fix the defensive side. And as we've been saying for the past 10 minutes here, with the Big Ten moving more towards that offensive style, um, they're not going to be able to keep up with that lackluster defense. Absolutely, and I mean, even on the offensive side, they did lose Keon Coleman, who is just – detrimental a detrimental loss i mean that was their best receiver last year um it's clear to see that tuck is kind of losing his grip on this program and i honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the hot seat come december if this defense doesn't improve i mean they allowed 416.5 yards per game to opponents last year um and just a lot of unproven players all around on this team yeah um i think their game plan going into the season is going to be to rely on that offensive line in the run game um, but as you said, a lot of unproven talent across that roster and nobody that I can believe in right now. So for that reason, yeah, I I don't think either of us are buying the Spartans. Yeah. Caden Hauser is a former four-star recruit, but he's got to duke it out with Noah Kim for that starting quarterback role. I just don't like, if you don't have a guy set at quarterback, I have a really hard time believing you as a football team is becoming a quarterback league. I agree. I agree. Jumping over to probably my favorite team in the Big Ten besides Wisconsin this year, Penn State. I think this team, the ceiling is college football playoff berth at least. Um, I mean, they're coming off the Rose Bowl victory. They have so much momentum. And that is a Rose Bowl victory with Sean Clifford. (laughs) True, true, true. Offensively, Nick Singleton is a absolute monster. Big Ten freshman of the year, 1,061 yards rushing, 12 touchdowns. Uh, he just runs so violently and so fast. It's crazy. Oh, and they also got a guy named Caden Allen who rushed for 867 yards as a true freshman. So this team is just stacked in the running back department. Yeah, and we can talk more about Nick Singleton later because um, I have another hot take that pertains to him. Um, but yeah, as you said, this is a Penn State team whose ceiling is just, it, it, it doesn't exist. I mean, we know they're going to be good on defense. They always are. They return talent there every year, reload on talent. It's been phenomenal too. Yeah, yeah. And to your point, uh, you know, they have Sean Clifford at the helm for the past four years. He's going to be a Penn State legend, already is one, um, a guy they love there. But now you got Drew Aller coming in. Number one QB prospect a couple of years back. Uh, couple him with Nick Singleton on offense, and you're looking at a better version 
of McSorley, Saquon Barkley, that Rose Bowl team from way back in the day, which was not even way back, just a few years back. Um, but yeah, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And their win total right now sitting at nine and a half games. I'm looking at their schedule, and yes, they do play in the East, so they have the unfortunate um, you know, scheduling of having to go at Michigan and Ohio State. They are in Columbus this year, but they get the Wolverines at home November 11th, which for them... I have that date circled on my game. Yeah, yeah, that's game 10 of the season. That is going to be potentially the game that decides the East. I mean, and, you know, you're probably going to have game day there. Beyond that, schedule... The out too, is going to be... Yeah, and beyond that, they should be able to get this schedule without a problem. I mean, West Virginia at home to open the season... Uh, followed by Delaware. They got to go into Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, UMass. They'll they'll be six no. Like if they're not six no, something went really awry. Yeah. Uh, that's when they go into Columbus, and I think that's when we really see what the team is made of. Yeah. Um. So I think they have a free nine wins. Uh, obviously, Ohio State and Michigan are going to be tests for them. Um. I don't know. I personally will be hammering the over in the nine and a half. This team should win some football games. I love them. You love them. We love them. Let's go to the Lions. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest question here for this team is Drew Aller. If he yeah. can be the guy, they win. There is no ceiling for this team. And James Franklin is a guy who's been waiting to compete for that Big Ten East title for a long time. And they're just setting themselves up for all kinds of success going forward. Yep, I think uh, this team kind of reminds me of uh, that Clemson team when Trevor Lawrence. Who did he come in for? Who was the QB before him? It was uh, no, awesome. Was it? No, he 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 took he took over for somebody like in the like the fifth or sixth game of the season, um, of, of his freshman year, and led him to a championship. Um, off to let me see. Eh, well, doesn't really matter. Point being, reminds me of that team for the reason of. Every single piece is there from yeah. from defense to offense. We just don't know what we're getting out of a highly touted quarterback prospect. If he goes the Trevor Lawrence route, they're going to be phenomenal. If he goes the, say, Quinn Ewers route where it doesn't pan out for the first year or so, they could be looking at a mediocre season. Yeah. Uh, but I'm hoping he pans out in the Trevor Lawrence style. Yeah, me too. Um, jumping over to another quarterback who has a huge ceiling this season. Uh, Tualia is back in Maryland after an injury-ridden 2022. Uh, this team's coming off back-to-back winning records uh, and bowl victories for this squad. I mean, I think this team has a lot of potential to be a troublemaker in the East. Uh, I mean, they got to figure out their problems on the O-line. Uh, defensively, I expect them to continue to improve. Um it's just hard to compete for this team in the East. I think they have a lot of potential, um, but they have a pretty easy schedule. They're opening up against Towson, Charlotte, Virginia. They're at Michigan state. Then they go to Indiana or no, they have Indiana at home. Then they head to Columbus, Illinois at Northwestern, Penn state at Nebraska, Michigan at home at Rutgers. Um, And I got a pretty hot take for this team coming up pretty soon, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Maryland? Um, yeah, I, I think they they might, as you said, they might be the biggest question mark in the East with the potential to cause some problems. Um, and yeah, my eyes immediately dart to that schedule. And obviously you get Penn State and Michigan at home in two of your last four weeks. Um, they have a lot of games on the road that 
they need to win for there's no other way to say it. they they need to beat Rutgers, which they should finally end the season they need to beat nebraska they need to beat northwestern and they need to beat michigan state yeah uh if they want if they want any chance of getting to a bowl game this year yeah. um and i think that's what their season comes down to at the end of the day they should be favored in just about every game this year with the exception of ohio state penn state and michigan um and for that reason you know i'm excited to see what they do yeah. Um, and I think Tuali is going to take some major steps forward and even maybe sneak his name into the Heisman voting, but we'll see about that. Um, jumping over to a team with really only one big question mark, and that's the CJ Stroud size hole at quarterback position for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes. I mean, this team on paper is one of the best in college football. They have been beaten down by Michigan in the last two years still snuck into the college football playoff and probably should have been competing for the championship. Um, obviously they gave Georgia the toughest time of any team they faced in the college football playoff. Marvin Harrison jr. Is back. Um, yeah, this team is just awesome on the offensive and defensive side of the football. A couple new guys on the defensive side, but they return at least five starters um, offensively. Pretty much everyone's back except for the major names of Njigba and CJ Stroud. What do you expect out of this Buckeyes team? And do you think they can bounce back and reclaim the Big East? Um, What I expect out of them, I expect them to be Ohio State, which is they take care of business in every single game they need to take care of business in. And then their season comes down to Penn State and Michigan, as it does every single year. Yeah. Um, I don't think they beat Michigan again. I think Michigan returned way too much talent. Um, and by that, I mean, everybody, <laughs> they returned everybody. Um, and you know, Harbaugh's got those boys playing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, like I said, it comes down to Penn state and Michigan. As we said, we're high on Penn state. Um, I'm high on Michigan. I think the Buckeyes go 10 and two, maybe get a bid in a near six if they're lucky. Um, and I, all my hot takes are coming out early, but I wouldn't be surprised if after losing to Michigan for a third straight year, if Ryan Day is on the hot seat. I I don't like, I mean, I love that take. Uh, we, <laughs> I don't hate that take at all. Um, but speaking of the team opposite of them, the Michigan Wolverines, I mean, they just, they, I mean, we got to say TCU is a one-off. I want to say TCU is a one-off, but this team has championship aspirations. There's a reason Harbaugh did not take an NFL job this offseason. He wants to come back. He wants to win with Michigan. He wants to carry him to the mountaintop. And as you said, this team returns basically everyone. Uh, JJ McCarthy, he gives them a chance this year if he's improved the way I think he has to really open up the passing game for this offense and give it a completely new dynamic. Um, obviously, you know what you're getting with Blake Corman, Devon Edwards. You are going to get probably the best running back duo in the Big Ten. Um, and I yeah, was the best in the country. Yeah, honestly, if we're being completely fair here, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they're just they're dogs. I mean, Chris Jenkins, his nickname is literally the Mutant because he is now bulked up to 300 pounds and not lost a single second of speed. Um, yeah, this team is going to be phenomenal. Um, my only question is, can they can they get to the mountaintop and can they win that championship? Yeah. Um, well, here's my take on the Wolverines. I think you actually uh, <laughs> missed potentially the best part of their team, and that's the offensive line. I mean, obviously, Corm and Edwards are absolute dogs in the backfield. 
and, you know, would produce numbers in any program across the country. Um, but they return Zach Zinter, who is going to be a lottery pick um, coming up, or he's going to be probably a top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor Keegan's going to start. Ladarius Henderson's going to start. And again, that offense is going to be a juggernaut. The defense is going to be a juggernaut. At this point, they're competing with the SEC. They're competing with Georgia, they're competing mm-hmm. with Alabama. And that's 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 what they're shooting for this year. I don't see any reason that Michigan Wolverines should not get back to the cultural playoff easily, easily this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned the offensive line. The biggest thing I see there is left tackle, senior, left guard, senior, center, senior, senior, senior. Like this team has so much experience and they're just going to punch you in the mouth every game. And it's going to be whether or not you can get back up. And I, I really don't see how Ohio state can prepare for this team. uh, And with a quarterback room where they have two guys who they don't know what they have. I mean, McCord, you're not entirely set on if he's the guy. Um, who's their other guy? I completely forgot. Um, Devin Brown. Um, neither of them have performed well enough in the spring to firmly seize that job. And if I'm Ohio State, I am incredibly concerned about that, especially heading into a season where I need to come back and beat Michigan. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, the, the concern can't be overstated, um, again, because they've lost Michigan for two consecutive years now. Um, and that's, I mean, that that's the game that decides – yeah. The, the job of, of Ohio State's head coach um, and the one that I think is going to get Ryan Day fired. But besides the point, um, yeah, Michigan returns everybody. They're a fucking juggernaut. And, you know, we said it about Minnesota. Like, this is their last chance to win the Big Ten West. Uh, th- this is Michigan's year. I know last year was their year. This is their year. You talk about that TCU game, uh, you know, a one-score game, 51-45. I think it was a one-off and you take away that Roman Wilson touchdown, not touchdown and their idiotic decision to go for it on fourth and goal and not get any points at the start of the game. And they win that game and then they go in who knows what happens with Georgia. So this is, this is the year of the Wolverines. They, they better come out swinging. Yeah. And I mean, no team has ever three-peated in college football. And I think if there's ever a team to really challenge Georgia this year, it's going to be Michigan. But I also just got to give props to Jim Harbaugh for the job he's done turning this team around. I mean, Talk about a guy who was on the hot seat a couple of years ago, especially after going one and five in 2020. I mean, obviously it was the COVID year, but that just doesn't happen at Michigan. And that's, this is a program where it's all about tradition and yeah, it's nice to see them stick with a guy. And I think a lot of teams in college football jump the gun on their coaches. And I think, yeah, I just got to give all the props in the world to Harbaugh on what he's done with this team. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And looking at their schedule right now, just really quickly, um, those last three weeks are going to be exciting. As we already said, they got Penn State on the road um, in week 11, and then they go on the road to Maryland the week after, which could very well be a trap game. Um, they need to win that. But coming off of two potentially big road wins and getting the Buckeyes in, or uh, what's it called, at home to close the season, make or break, make or break. The big house is going to be rocking. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say the uh, the horseshoe. That's not what it is. It's the big house. So, yeah, you might see some some decibel levels broken, um, records broken at, at the big house come come November twenty fifth. Easily, oh man, I'm just so excited for this season because just talking about this stuff, man. This is yeah. gonna be fun stuff. Um, jump into the final standings projection for the wet for the East. I have Michigan at one, Penn State at two, Ohio State holding down the three spot, Maryland at four, Michigan State. Indiana over Rutgers to lock it out. 
One more time, four through six, four through seven. Four through seven, Maryland at four, Michigan State at five, Indiana at six, Rutgers at seven. Yeah, uh, I don't think I would change a thing except maybe flip-flop Michigan State and, um, God, who was below them? <laughs> uh, Indiana. Yeah, maybe, but again, th- those two teams aren't going to be relevant in the slightest. Tom Allen's going to have a bounce-back year, which, I uh, mean, getting to the fifth spot is a bounce-back year for Tom Allen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, all I know is in that in that side of the Big Ten, all that matters is positions one, two, and three, and I am in firm agreement. It's going to go Wolverines and the Lions, Buckeyes. Absolutely, me too here. All right, well, we've jumped in some hot takes from earlier, and uh, we're going to jump into some hot takes from earlier, and uh, – yeah, Gav. So I'll let you take the floor because you got some some fire Brian <laughs> Day. Go for yeah, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got two hot takes coming out of the Big Ten East. Number one, um, Michigan closes the deal on Ohio State for the third straight year in the Big House. Uh, they head into the College Football Playoff, and you know, I, I guess it's not a hot take to say that Ryan Day then goes on the hot seat, but the hot take would be he gets axed, and I would not be surprised to see that happen. Um, you take the Ohio State head coaching job and you have two tasks, win national championships and beat Michigan. And if he's doing neither one, that's cause for concern. Uh, so that's hot take number one. Hot take number two, which I'll talk about, well, I'll mention and I'll let you take the floor because I know we're both high on this guy. Um, what's it called? Singleton to win the Heisman right now I like at that. plus Plus 6,500, 65 to 1 odds on Singleton to take down some hardware in New York come season's end. How do you feel about that? I like it a lot, but I have another guy in mind. I mean, I think Singleton is going to just take on the league this year. Um, He's just going to run all over everyone. I think the only thing that's going to stop him from being in that Heisman conversation is how good Caden Allen is and the fact that they're going to take him off the field at times just because I think they're – like they want to win, obviously, but like it, when they run up the score on people, Singleton's not going to be on the field, and they're going to run up the score a lot. Um, but yeah, I would not be surprised at all if uh, we see Singleton down in New York come December, and even maybe even taking home that hardware. I think he is the best running back in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, I think you're spot on with that. I think the Ryan Day take is also. Very spot on. Ryan Day is a guy who I really haven't believed in a lot since I've seen him take over at Ohio State. And I think it's just hard. Um, I mean, obviously, like you have great quarterback after great quarterback and you have nothing to show for it. You got to change something up. And especially now with the uncertainty at the quarterback position, uh, we're really going to see what Ryan Day is made of as a head coach and if he can work a little magic to bring this team over some really tough opponents in Michigan and Penn State, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, so my first hot take I have for this offseason, or for this coming season, is the Maryland Terrapins are going to take down one of three teams, and that's Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State. And I think October 7th is the date that Ohio State, we see the cracks start to come. And Wow. The Terrapins take them down at home. I think, I think, I think the Terrapins, they've been stuck in the East for a while, but they're ready to kind of take another step and kind of show one of these teams, hey, we're here and we're going to be making some noise now that, I mean, the Big Ten is changing completely. We want to be part of that story of the Big Ten changing. Um, another hot take I have is 
Man, I want to make some. I want to say something about Wisconsin, but I think they. I think they finish eleven and one. I don't know if that's a super hot take, but I think the only loss I see on this schedule is Ohio State. I really want to believe in this team. Um, and obviously, our school is so good at propaganda and making us believe in guys we should have no business believing in. But I think Coach Luke Fickle, um, I think he could easily march into Ohio State, and we have a little Nick Saban situation uh, versus a former opponent where we see a new rivalry blossom with Luke Fickle trying to take down his alma mater. Yeah, I would say uh, I would say having the Badgers at 11 and 1 is a hot take. I mean, when's the last time we won 11 games in yeah. before before conference championship season? Yeah. I um, mean Yeah, this team, the Badgers have been through it and I think they're ready to win and they're ready to also they're ready to reclaim the West. I mean, this has basically been their division and they've just let it slip the past couple of years. Yeah. Um Back on the uh, Nick Singleton topic, because I think he's just so awesome. Would you go as far to say is he's the best running back Penn State has ever seen? Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of guys right now: Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley. I think it's we're really, not it's really Saquon. Just really Saquon. That's it. Yeah, I think he is probably the best running back Penn State's ever seen. Um, and I think we're gonna be in a position now probably next year where we're talking about Drew Aller and Nick Singleton being the best wide receiver running back combo Penn State's ever seen if we're being completely honest your QB QB running back yeah I mean my one concern with Penn State still is their wide receiver room I mean Dante Cephas is the only guy they really brought in who's kind of proven anything um a lot of guys that were hanging behind the stars of Penn State's path like Jahan Dotson um but yeah I I don't know really what we're going to get out of drew aller i think their entire season hinges on him but i think he's going to be phenomenal this year for them and he's a guy i want to believe in uh another player i want to make a hot take about is i think jeff sims is going to make himself the second best quarterback in the big 10 i think he plays himself into getting drafted this uh next year oh absolutely i think we're going to see a malik cunningham-esque season where he is just trying to do everything he can on the field to bring a team that has no business being in a conversation in any game uh, a couple wins so i think jeff sims um super high on and i think he's a very intriguing player um and that kind of wraps up my thoughts for the big 10 you got anything else gav nothing else i think we covered it all hell yeah well that wraps up our show for today uh i'm excited for this new era of we know ball we might even change the name a little bit here going forward we'll see (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, any finishing thoughts, Gav? Like you said, excited for what the future holds for the pod. Um, and I think we do know ball. So catch you guys. Come on, let's go. We'll see you all next week.